It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. What's up, Well That's Good fam? Welcome back to the Well That's Good podcast. Today we have a very special guest. He is not a first-time guest on the Well That's Good podcast. He is a regular face for many of y'all. We have Louis Giglio on the podcast, and we're going to be talking about two books that he has out. We have a 100 more devotions about God and science, the wonder of creation, and that's for kids. But don't worry, the adults are not left out. There is a new devotional at the table with Jesus. Anything Louis puts out, you're definitely going to want to put your hands on. And I mean, already his children's book that he's written, Indescribable Honey Loves, looking at all the little space things. So we're thankful for who he is. And I'm thankful to have you back on the podcast, Louie. Welcome back. Thanks, Sadie. It's always like a really like major highlight for me to get on Whoa, That's Good. So thanks for having me back. Hey, it's, a, it's an honor and a highlight for us too, because you dropped some Whoa, That's Good moments. So super uh, excited. I was thinking, I was like, hey, what? am I going to ask you uh, a piece of advice for? Because we've already heard your best piece of advice. So if you have... Ask me again. Ask me again. Okay, so that's what I was wondering. I was like, do you want that question or do you need a new one? (laughs) If you want it, I'm giving it to you. What is the most recently best piece of advice that you've thought of that you've ever had? Okay, don't ask me that. I want you to ask me, what's the best piece of advice you've ever heard someone give? Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. Reverse, reverse. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever heard someone give? And I stole this from them. And so I told you when you asked me last time that it was uh, something Piper said to me. Yeah. Uh, Dr. John Piper uh, said that real casually um, (laughs) when he was uh, telling me about, you know, anyway. So I was thinking about another piece of advice that um, I heard someone else give. Hmm. And I thought that might be the best piece of advice ever. Wow. And it was Crowder. <laughs> and we were on a passion tour doing a Q&A before the night. And you've done a lot of those, you know, few people get in with a special ticket or something. Yep. And there were all worship leaders there, I think, or musicians. And Crowder's sitting there and this kid raises his hand. He goes, what is the best advice that you ever give to an aspiring young artist wow. or an aspiring young worship leader? And I'm like, okay, that's probably the question you've been asked a thousand times, but I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. And Crowder's answer, Sadie, was so great. It was three words. Tune your guitar. Yes. Love this advice. And, you know, that's Crowder for you. I mean, you're like, what? And all he was trying to say to this young guy was, um, before you start out doing anything, make sure your guitar's in tune. Yeah. Like, and so for me as a speaker or someone who's an author, somebody who wants to be in tech or whatever, it's like the first thing you need to do is tune your guitar. Like, make sure you've got your thing operating at the maximum level it can operate at. Don't skip over the detail trying to project yourself way out into the future as I'm going to be Crowder. It's like, well, here's what you need to know about Crowder. Crowder's guitar is always in tune and sounds 
amazing. That's great. So tune your guitar. I think it's great advice. It sounds a little cheeky, you know, to use the British phrase. Um, but I love it, and I think about it all the time. When someone says to me, hey, what's your advice for a young speaker communicator? I just say, tune, tune your, your guitar. guitar. They're like, I don't play the guitar. It's like, yeah, I know, it's a metaphor. I love it. That's so good. And actually, I think it was Bear from Need to Breathe. Do you know him um, or know nope. of him? Okay, so he was know on them. the podcast, and he gave like two pieces of advice, and one of them was tune your guitar. And I, uh, that has stuck with me. That's so funny. <laughs> so, whoa, that's good times too. And the funny thing is, because I did rewrite the question for you, and it was the best piece of advice for up-and-coming leaders. And that's so funny that you actually just said that is your advice. And it's such a great metaphor because so many people want to jump the gun. They just want to get out on the stage. And if you don't have your guitar tune, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be good. And it's actually funny because we were watching American Idol this past Sunday. And this guy started singing, and he actually had really good talent. But as soon as he started doing it, Katy Perry just screamed and was like, tune your guitar, like, tune it. Like, this is so, I can't even listen to it. And so he went through his old thing. He never stopped. He wasn't listening to her to stop and do it. So then finally, he stopped, finished the song, and she said, can you do that whole thing again without your guitar? And he was so confused. He was like, but I'm good at the guitar. And he redid it, and then he ended up going to Hollywood because they said, you're so much better, but your guitar was not tuned. We couldn't even hear it. And so what a good uh, piece of advice that I just literally saw played out on American Idol. That's awesome. Shout out to American Idol, too, because we saw that also Sunday night. And I think they are crushing on the storytelling. Oh, crushing it. The talent. Crushing it. The judges are locked into their zone like never before. They're appropriately honest, but they don't trash people. And um, I don't know. I... I, it probably sounds stupid, but I I tear up like three or four times Same. in every single episode Don't right now. Don't we all? And that one guy came in and I loved it because he was singing that Tasha Cobb song. Yes. And he was just going after the whole, you know, runs that were a mile long and all that yes. stuff. And obviously we all are like the biggest Tasha Cobbs fans yep. of all time. Um, but then they were like, uh, what else can you sing? And he said, um, whatever uh, that kind of bluesy song. Is it Strawberry and Wine? So he just, I think it was. I think, uh, yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee Whiskey. Tennessee Whiskey, I, was, like that, I yeah. wasn't going to say Tennessee Whiskey because it's a Christian podcast, <laughs> but um, that line is in it, Strawberry Wine. <laughs> but anyway, he just sings it, and it's this whole thing, and they just know, like, they, God, they're really good at what they're they do. They're so and, good. They're so helpful. Yeah. And, um, yeah, really good, like, judges, but more so, I feel like, leaders. They're actually like trying to make people better and you hear it just in an instant. Um, That's actually funny. Yeah, I want to say too, Sadie, if I can, because, you know, this whole thing, um, I'm on the other end of the demographic, age demographic than you. And you're an exception to this rule. Um, The rule is that it takes time, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's the best advice I'd give a young leader is tune your guitar. And normally tuning your guitar means take time, take the opportunities uh, build your craft, yeah. hone your skill. Um, you, of course, you know, sort of busted that mold by just skyrocketing, you know, up into the atmosphere when you were a teenager. But one of the things I appreciate about you and about Katy Perry, who I've met, um, these guys and you tune your guitars. Mm. And you, you know, shot into fame. You became an overnight sensation. 
But you work harder at your craft than just about anybody I know. And so anybody listening to the podcast today, kind of looking at Sadie, who makes all this stuff look super easy, um, super effortless when you speak. It just seems like it comes out. And, oh, you wrote another book. And, oh, you're in another movie. And, oh, you did this and that and the other. But you work hard. And that's the non-negotiable advice that every young leader needs is learn how to work hard. And if you don't like working hard, uh, might as well pick something else to do because yep. you're not going to end up being a leader. Man, that's so good. I'm, I'm actually so thankful that you said that because I've had honest conversations with people in my circle around me about that, like needing to work hard. And I think that um, people have this you know, perspective of people on Instagram because you don't see the hard work. You just see the successful moments. You just see the fun moments within the work, but you don't see the like, actual like studying and the hard times and the exhausting times and the times that it didn't work out or you know you work super hard for something and it doesn't go well because honestly that's just very unnatural to even think about sharing you know it's not that I am trying not to share that because I'm embarrassed I don't even think about sharing that you know because I'm going through it or I'm working through it or I'm thinking about it or whatever it is And um, I think that young people have this perspective that it's just supposed to be easy. And if it's not easy, then it's not right. But actually, like most things in life that are worth it and that are good and that are successful come from a lot of hard work, a lot of long hours, um, tears, late nights, um, you know, all these different things. And so I'm so glad that you said that because I do think that uh, social media has shaped this perspective that, um, man, if you love your job, then that means that it's going to be easy. It's going to come effortless. It's just going to be what's natural to you. But even for me, yes, um, to some degree, this is a natural thing for me to do, to be a communicator in that. But also, man, it takes a lot of work. You're right. If I didn't prepare a message, it just honestly wouldn't be that good, you know? Um, and that's just, it is what it is. You know, Holy Spirit is going to work through me, but I also got to know the word uh, for him to work through, you know? And so I'm so glad that you said it's such good advice. Um, well, let's dive into some of this this book that you wrote, because one thing I love about you and the work that you do, especially in these young kids books and so many of your sermons, it's like you combine this, all these crazy things about science and you make it just, just shout God out even more. And I think so many times people think that like you have to choose between like God and between science. It's either like you believe in science or you believe in God. But I love how you believe in God with all of your heart, but you also love to explore science. And so one, like where did that love for science come from? Have you always been obsessed with science uh, or did it come later in your life? Yeah, I have. I, you know, I had the, um, the vision when I was a kid that I was going to be a doctor. And I've just had this kind of inclination towards science, towards medicine. Um, And then a little bit later in life, when I was a summer college intern in Houston, the summer that I met Shelly, I met this guy that was uh, a drug salesman, a, a legitimate drug salesman. And he called on the major hospitals in Houston. And because of it, he had all these incredible relationships over time. And he got me into this program, um, I think I can say this because it was a long time ago, where a few times every summer that I was in Houston for those three summers, I would go to the main hospital there that did heart surgery Hmm. and sit in the theater above the ceiling with the medical students and watch heart surgeries happen. I've seen a heart transplant 
bypasses, uh, heart surgery on a little bitty kid. I mean, literally sitting eight feet above the operating table, looking down and something about all of that just inspired me and still does inspire me. But it was really meeting Matt Redman and traveling to England a lot because for whatever reason, Sadie, on the front page of the paper in London, three times a week is something about astronomy, Hmm. some galaxy we've discovered, some new nebula, some thing. And it just lit me up. And I got into the Hubble Space Telescope. I started seeing um, stuff that, you know, the generation before us didn't get to see. I mean, this stuff is new. Wow. Um, Hubble's only been in space for 20 something years, and it's 340 miles above the Earth. So there's no atmosphere. So we can see things further, better, more, more clearly. Hmm. And I don't know, Sadie, I all of a sudden realized what David said when he wrote Psalm 19, the heavens are telling the glory of God. Wow. Their expanse declares the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. And there's no place on earth where their language mm. or their voices is not heard. Mm. That this is a billboard. God put a billboard in the cosmos to tell us how big he is. And so science came along in the 60s particularly and started really taking aim at faith. And the atheist movement got strong. There was a guy named Carl Sagan who discovered this famous, uh, this pale blue dot photograph. Um, And he was the smartest, coolest culture leader on earth. And he was a flat out atheist. And he would explain all these things about the universe, blow people's minds, and then tell them that it's all meaningless. Mm. And so that's why the divide has happened. All of a sudden, Christians were like, oh my goodness, all the scientists are coming after us. All the scientists are trying to undermine our faith. And then I realized, wait a minute, if God is who we worship and say that he is, if he's the creator of all things, science will never undermine him. Wow. So let's cheer on the scientist. Yeah. Go do your work, because I believe at the end of the day, you're going to end up at the same place I'm going to end yeah. up, which is standing at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And so... That's what I want to do in these books is just help young kids realize there's not a big wall between God and science. Yes, there are differences of opinion, um, and some of scientists may be trying to undermine faith, and some faith may be afraid of science, but in general, uh, I want to teach kids that God's bigger than all that and that he created all the scientists, and so they don't have to worry about science. They can love God because he's the ultimate scientist. That's great. That's so good. I love in the book how you talked about, man, I wrote it down here about how a male rhino actually eavesdrops on other rhinos to protect their territory, which is like so cool. Like <laughs> what? Like that? I can see why you love this because I'm like, that. that is such a message in that. You talk about First Thessalonians 4, 11 and making it a goal to live a quiet life and to lead a quiet life. Which is just so cool. Like I said, um, man, whenever you have the eyes to see that and you're searching for science to find out more about God instead of running from it because you're scared it's going to disprove God, you get to see these amazing things. And that's just an example in your new book. But you also have these huge examples that you've preached that have been heard all over the world, like Laminin, I know, was one of your one of the most known messages. You've had several, but Laminin was one of them. I remember watching that in my science class in my freshman year of high school and just being blown away by that. And then now I I get to know you and I've heard a little bit about the prep behind that. And so uh, tell us a little bit about that prep for the message, Laminin, and what you discovered on the process that just blew your mind. 
Yeah, you know, it's such a crazy story. I have to shorten it down a lot. But I was on tour with uh, Chris Tomlin, and we were doing about 60-city tour. And it was two nights before it ended. We're in Tyler, Texas, and there's no green room at this venue we're at. And so as things are getting torn down and we're waiting for him to say goodbye to his family because he lives near there, uh, there's nowhere to be. So I'm just hanging around. The guy walks up to me. We end up having a conversation. He asks me what I'm doing after the tour's over, and I tell him I'm going home to preach at our church, which at the time was North Point. It's before we planted Passion City. And I'm, so I'm preaching my, for my pastor. He said, what are you preaching on? I said, the glory of God in the human body. We did the glory of God out hmm. spa- of space. We're going to do the glory of God in the human body. He goes, oh, okay, what do you got? And I said, well, I have this about the blood vessels and this about the eyelid and this about this and this about this. And he was like, he's nodding along. He goes, well, what's your big left hook? Like, how are you ending this thing? And he goes, your talks always have a left hook at the end. And I was like, I don't have my left hook yet. And then he says, oh, well, I'm a molecular biologist at the university down the road. Well. I've got your left hook. And I said, A, you should have told me you were a molecular biologist <laughs> when we started this conversation. And I've been telling you all my stuff about the human body. And uh, B, what is the left hook? He said, it's, it's, uh, do you know anything about protein molecules? And I said, no. And uh, he said, you know anything about base molecules? No. He says, well, there's one called laminin, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. He writes it down on the back of his card, hands it to me, Sadie, and he says, just go look it up. And that's your left hook. And I was like, okay, whatever. So we leave, and we get back on the bus later. We get a Wi-Fi. I get on my computer. I, I'm, I wish I could have bring the whole world into this moment. Hmm. I type in L-A-M-I-N-I-N, and I hit search, and two things come up, just two. And one of them is two photographs um, of laminin, real photographs. And mm. one of them is the diagram of laminin. And most people have seen this by now, but it's the perfect shape of a cross. Yeah. And it's this um, cell adhesion molecule that holds our skin together, our organs together, our bodies together. It holds us together. Mm. And I was like, I, I'm not kidding you. Wow. I fell off the seat <laughs> in the bus wow. onto one knee on the floor staring at the thing going you've got to be kidding me the thing that holds us together wow is the shape of a cross it doesn't prove anything that doesn't prove there's a god that just proves that god has a sense of humor That's right and <laughs> that god has been waiting all this time for us to build a powerful enough microscope to, to discover it. laminin and then to see it um, and that message, man, it, you know, it has circled around the world and I'm not sure, but somebody will do this right now. If you go search laminin on Google, it, you know how it tells you at the top, how many millions of, uh, returns there were in like two seconds, there will be lots of returns because now there are pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of laminin earrings and laminin yep. t-shirts and laminin <laughs> bracelets and laminin this and that and the other. Uh, I'm not selling any of those, by the way, <laughs> um, but there's a ton of stuff there. And that's kind of the beauty of it all. And, you know, what I would say, Sadie, just to wrap up real fast, the thing on science, because I know uh, we don't have a ton of time. These books are for like seven to 11 year olds. Mm. And there's three of them, Indescribable, How Great Is Our God, and Now the Wonder of Creation. And they're not apologetic. They don't explain all the tricky questions. Laminin is a way of kind of bridging the gap. But what I would encourage every parent to do is that when your kids get to be like 16, 17, 18, uh, start showing, showing them some videos on YouTube about the big questions of life, evolution, yeah. um, 
because they're they're going to be told in the first hour that they arrive at university if they go to college that the Bible isn't reliable and there is no God and we all got here by accident. Mm -hmm. And if that's the first time they're faced with that, their faith's going to get shaken. But if as a parent you can say, hey, these were great for when you were a kid. Uh, Laman was awesome for when you were in ninth grade. But now that you're a high school senior, we want you to watch these five videos of the biggest arguments against faith. Wow. And now we're going to show you these five answers to faith Hmm. because there's so many smart people out there that can help answer these big questions. And then when a kid's sitting in a classroom at um, some university and the professor goes, Da, da 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 the student goes oh i've already heard all that yeah i already watched all that in fact i actually watched your talk on that <laughs> but then i also watched these other three yeah. talks that helped me see that from a biblical point it's of great. view and now i'm prepared to go forward we don't need to get into a big war but we don't need to be afraid either that's great advice you know i feel like a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably in that age range to be the one to watch those things like 18 to Man, yeah. 25 is probably our biggest age range who's listening. And so uh, not to put you on the spot, if you don't know anything, uh, know anyone off the top of your head, but do you know of any videos or anyone that they could look up off the top of your head to discover some of that? I mean, I'm sure they could type in um, some of the, you know, like you said, the Big Bang, like type in some of these theories, but who from the faith-based world could they look up to also get that perspective as well? Yeah, I wish I, I before I said, as soon as that sentence came out of my mouth, I went, oh man, I want to, I want to say who that, who that is. And I can't think of the, the name right now, but if they'll, if you just Google creation science mm-hmm. and um, answers to the faith, um, you're going to get uh, a good start on the right people. That's great. And uh, the Creation Science Institute, I mean, cool. uh, look around for these kinds of people and um, that's great. you'll easily find good resources. That's great. I was actually going to ask you that anyways. Of like, where do you find so many things that you know? Uh, and one way I know that you find them is through books that you read. Because I remember the first time Christian and I came to y'all's house to stay with y'all. And this is kind of a funny story. I think I've told this before probably Publicly, maybe not. Y'all are gonna hear the hear it for the first time. But um, I was upstairs in the room, and they sleep um, not on that level that we were at. And there was all these books up there, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna tiptoe out here. Maybe they won't hear me. I'm going to look through all these books because I'm like, I want to learn what he's learning. I want to read what he's reading. Uh, I want to tune my guitar, right? And there's just so many things in that, you know, library that you have up there that I'm like, man, there's so much that I want to know. So I see this book and it was a book that you had mentioned earlier that day about, it was something scientific. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to pull. I'm going to go try to try to read some of this. And so I'm reading some of it and I'm understanding very little of it but you know I always think about you know sometimes I listen to people who go way over my head I listen to Jordan Peterson a lot now he goes way over my head but I'm like for the 10% I get I feel a lot smarter when I leave right so sometimes it's good to push yourself in what you read so I'm reading this and then I get to thinking, man, I wonder if there's been something for Louis that like he heard this and then he was like, there's a God. And it might have been like the laminin moment or uh, I don't know, the indescribable moment, which I want to talk about in a minute. But what what was that? And so I remember the next day, I can't wait to come ask you this question. And I come downstairs and I say, so Louis, like, what is the thing that made you believe like there is a God? And with the smallest pause, you said, the Bible. And I was like, wait, 
Oh, yeah. I was I was almost like stumped because I thought it was going to be some crazy revelation that you had, some scientific thing that you saw, like the stars that said heaven. I don't know. You know, just you, you think of these crazy things. And um, gosh, I had this girl write me this letter and I waited for the right moment to pull this letter out. And I felt like today was the day because I have people write me letters a lot and I don't always respond. But what I try to do is if there's one that I really feel the need to respond to, I'll wait till there's a moment like this in the podcast or I'll wait till there's a moment in my message and really nail that question. And it's the most simple letter. This is all it says. Dear Sadie Robertson Huff, how do you know God is real? Practical answers only, please. And it reminds me so much of the question that I asked you. And so I wanted to ask you that question again, um, because I know your answer answer is the Bible. But just kind of speak to for a second that the Bible really is enough. Because I think so many times, like the Bible for her might not have been a practical answer, but this is the most practical answer. This is the most evidence. This is all we need. But so many times like we want more. And it's almost like we're so familiar with the fact that we have this, that it's become not um, crazy. It's become not this awe and wonder that it should be because it actually is wild that we have that. So I wanted you to speak to that for a minute because that's the question I had. That's the question I got asked. And I think you really nailed the answer. I love that you were sneaking around in my library. <laughs> I was trying to be very subtle, and then I told on myself the next day. I love that. That's what I would have been doing at anybody's house. You know, I just, I'm curious like that, and I don't want to be nosy, and I don't know what the, like, proper line is. Like, I wouldn't have gone in their desk drawers or no, something, no, no. but I definitely, I didn't go that if far. I was, like, at a hero's house or somebody I looked up to or somebody I respect, or if I was even at, you know, Crowder's house for the night, I mean, I'd look around, you know, like, what books is he reading? You know, what's going on? Uh, but I want to speak to that real, real fast, and I'll come back to answer the question, because, you know, what a great letter, by the way. That's just getting right to the point. Yeah. But I try to read something every year that is non, not a Christian book, hmm. um, and not just like some novel or whatever, some leadership, not even leadership. And so I read a book two years ago on the building of the Shard. It's a very iconic building in London. Hmm. And I love London, and I love this building, and I, wanted to know, I went to the top of it. You can go to the observation deck, and I heard a tiny bit of the story of the guy who envisioned it. And I'm like, I'm going to the books where you know how they make you walk through the gift shop when you go to the top of these big buildings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I always don't like that, but I thought I am stopping in the, in the gift shop and buying this book. And um, the guy who built this building story is phenomenal. Changed my life, mm. the shard. Um, I did a whole message on it. Last year, I read um, The Agony and the Ecstasy, which is a biography, autobiography of Michelangelo. Uh, maybe the greatest artist of the Renaissance era um, from my uh, stomping grounds in Florence, Italy, and absolutely blew my world up Mm. uh, because this guy painted the Sistine Chapel. He sculpted the David. He sculpted the Pieta. Mm. He was one of the most brilliant human beings who's ever lived on planet Earth. So try to read something that is inspiring about somebody who did something great every year. That's what I would encourage people to do. But the moment for me, uh, there was two moments, uh, Sadie, and to answer the question, coming back to the Bible. I hiked down in the Grand Canyon in the middle of the night when I was in college uh, because uh, we couldn't get a permit to spend the night. 
So we had to hike down at midnight and hike back out before dawn, practically. Wow. And I don't necessarily recommend that. <laughs> it's a pretty scary thing to do at night. But we ended up laying down on the sandy beach of the Colorado River for about an hour before we had to start our hike back up. We were a mile down in the earth. Hmm. So when you're on, down in a mile crack, there is zero, zero unnatural light. There's not a light bulb, period. So you can't see stars good in Atlanta because there's a lot of light. You can see better maybe out at your house because it's a little darker <laughs> out there. But when you're a mile down on the earth, you feel like, and I'm not exaggerating, that you can reach up and, and grab the stars. Mm. Wow. And I had a sense of awe come over me that night as a college student that I'd never felt before. And I've only felt it a few times in nature since, seeing the northern lights the first time. Um, and I just was, I, I literally was having like a moment. That's how you know there's a God. Wow. Because there's awe and wonder. Mm. And science can explain things, but science can never speak to meaning. Mm. And people want meaning and people feel things. And science can't speak to what awe is or why you feel it at certain times. And I would answer this young lady. I'm assuming it's a young lady. Maybe it's a young man that wrote the note. I would answer her and say, the fact that you wrote me this letter is proof to me that there is a God. Hmm. Because probably a hundred miracles happened for her to write you that letter. Yep. The fact that she knows you means she has a brain. Hmm. The fact that she could see that paper <laughs> she wrote on, and blind people can write letters too, but what the human eye can do, the human eye is the most complex instrument on mm. earth. Um, the human brain is the most, by a factor of a jillion complex um, organism on earth. Wow. The fact that she could put lines on a page that when you got them, you knew what she was asking <laughs> you. The f all of it is a miracle. And... Uh, design is the only argument I need. Mm. Um, and if I looked at that girl and looked back at her and looked at her, I would go, there's no way that you just appeared. So there must be a designer. The designer is a creator. And what you call him or her or it, okay, you might want to argue with me about that. But you have to acknowledge that there is a creator of it all. Yeah and someone who's powerful enough to set it in motion. And the scripture tells us who that is. And it in of itself is a miracle. The fact that it's 66 books, but one story, the fact that it's mm -hmm. written over thousands of years, but it has one thread, mm -hmm. that it has multiple authors who are all kinds of different people, a doctor, a fisherman, a farmer, <laughs> And they're all writing from different cultures, different points of views, but it's all one story with one thread. And that one thread is revealing to us the question that we're all asking, is there a God? Yep. And this book is breathing. It's not just ink on a page. It's God's breath on a page. And I just got chapter one of John back from the International Space Station. It stayed up there <laughs> for a couple of months and circled the earth a lot and traveled millions of miles with an astronaut friend of mine. And he came back from the International Space Station, brought the page out of my Bible. And it's 
back in my Bible. And when I tell people that page in my Bible went to space, they freak out. And I said, yeah, it's not, a, it's not, uh, it's not every day that a page of your Bible goes to space, but the bigger miracle is that is not that this page of my Bible went to space. It's that this whole Bible came down yeah. from heaven. Wow. And so, um, yeah, wow. it's a miracle. It's all a miracle. And if this precious girl will take one step back, um, she'll realize someone made all this mm. and, um, that's how she'll know. And maybe she won't know exactly what that God's like. That's what the Bible's going to tell her. Yeah. What was his purpose? That's what the Bible's going to tell her. What, how does she fit into that purpose? That's what the scripture's going to tell her. Yeah. Wow. That's so good, Louis. That I feel like that, um, answer that you just gave is going to expand way more to just that one girl. I can see this being sent to many friends, parents, sisters, brothers, because that is the question that we're all searching for. And I love how she said um, only practical answers only, but in reality, like you don't actually want the God that you serve to be so practical that you can understand everything about him mm. or else you would be enough to be your own God. But it's actually wow. amazing that he's, it's so almost unpractical, but it's believable and it's so tangible and it's so real. And even though he's God, he also became man. And even though he was man, he was fully God. And all of that, even trying to be practical is so unbelievable. And that's what makes him so amazing and you able to just want to drop to your knees and worship him. And so I actually love that in some degree, that's a practical answer, but in a million others, it's the most miraculous awe and wonder answer that you could have given. And so that's incredible. I love it. Um, I love that you talk about space a lot too. And I love that you literally have moons behind you. Um, I, I'm actually interviewing Levi later today. So I'm pretty much, I'm going to school. I'm having my science lesson, I'm having my history lesson, all of my things pointing to Jesus. Um, but but yeah, you preached an incredible message, indescribable. And I was talking to Demi Tebow about this, and she said the only um, really American she really knew of was you because when she was in South Africa, she watched that message in one of her classes. And how cool that her and I both watched a message that you preached in our school days, and now we get to do life with y'all in a sense. But um, it's just amazing that the things that you're preaching – are into schools, even though they're so about God, but they're also about these incredible things. And so when you were writing that message, how did you even get on the trail to discover all of the things that you were discovering about space? Yeah, well, it's the same way, Sadie. And, you know, that whole thing about South Africa, I wish we could do a podcast on it with me and you and Demi at some point, because do it. we were working in a little tiny house north of Atlanta before Passion City Church, so we were just doing Passion Conference, and I was speaking places, and we actually, you know, like ordered the DVDs. This is back in the day, <laughs> and they came from a little place nearby, and then if someone wanted one, we mailed it to them. So that's how you got the DVD. We mailed that's it awesome. from this little Passion House, and it went out in an envelope, and one day, a guy that worked in our resource came up to my office, and he said, hey, this is kind of weird, but we just got an order from South Africa. Do you know anybody in South wow. Africa? And I'm like, No never been there. I uh, don't know anything about South Africa. I mean, I know where it is on a map, but um, he said, well, we just got an order for um, 10,000 copies of mm -hmm. the indescribable DVD. 
well, we wouldn't send out 10,000 copies of this DVD in a year. Wow. And he said, so obviously we don't have that many. We're going to go have to make them. Uh, that means we're going to put a lot of money out. And we don't even know if these people are real. And then we're going to have to get them put on a pallet. And we're going to get them shipped to South Africa to this guy who's a distributor in South Africa. And eventually we did a little homework. We made the investment. We shipped the DVDs. Sadie, I'm not kidding you. Over the next year or two years, we would have shipped hundreds of thousands wow. of copies of this one message to this one country. A country that I had never been to. Um, actually I might have been there. I had been there one time. Um, and somehow the South African people in the indescribable message, just, it was an explosion. And I remember getting a letter like the one you just held up and it had a real photograph in it, like in the old days. And the photo, um, was of a, some people that lived in Bloemfontein. If you're in South Africa, you'll know right what I'm talking about. I want to say it's North of Joburg a little bit, a small town. And these people, Sadie, had put a sheet on the side of their house, mm-hmm. a bed sheet, and a projector. Wow. And there were, um, and in the photo, it wow. looked like there were 200 people in lawn chairs sitting in their lawn watching the indescribable message on the side of somebody's house in Bloemfontein wow. in South Africa. And I'm telling you, this is where, you know, people say, you know, what do you do with all that? Hey, you don't take any credit for stuff like that. Yep. You just step back, mouth open, going, I don't know what you're doing, God, but <laughs> it's pretty crazy watching it. Yep. And that message just went all over. And for me, it was a combination of loving these things, learning about these images, seeing a bunch of Hubble stuff. Mm. But then it was the thread, Sadie, because that's what you need. And that's when you're doing one of your talks or you're working on a book or even in this podcast today, you're always looking for how does this thread right. to a significant, memorable, transformational point. Yep. And so one day it dawned on me as I was looking at stuff farther and farther away, like this is 20 light years away and this is 100 light years away and this is 500 light years away. Um, or this star is this big, but the next one's this big and the next one's this big. And it just clicked for me. I'm going to take people out through the galaxy, but the farthest thing out is going to be a picture of the cross. Hmm. And I'm just going to set it up and that's going to be my left hook. Cause I do like to have a left hook yep. <laughs> and it's going to be, can I take you a little further? And they're going to go, Oh my goodness, we're going past the sombrero galaxy. <laughs> what in the world? We're going past the whirlpool galaxy. What? And I'm sitting at this camp, I'm going to tell you real fast, in um, Durango, Colorado, student life camp. And in the morning session, Sadie, the kids were sleepy and they weren't into it. So every morning I would show two galaxies or a nebula or a quasar or a comet or something. And then I would make a spiritual application mm-hmm. and kids were getting their phones out their little sidekicks or whatever they had back then. And they're like taking pictures of the galaxies on the screen. And I'm like, you're kidding me. <laughs> These kids are like really into this. And so I'm back at the Hampton Inn in Durango, Colorado, just searching NASA, like just looking for stuff. What can I show tomorrow that will be interesting? And I click on this thing. It says the X structure at, in the black hole of the Whirlpool Galaxy. And I'm like, oh okay. Gosh. I click on it and boom, it's a cross wow. in the middle of the X structure of the black hole <laughs> in the Whirlpool Galaxy is a 
cross. Oh my God. And the only way we can see it is because of Hubble. And again, I'm sitting on my double bed at the Hampton Inn and I almost fall off the bed. And I'm like, this is too crazy. I take it the next morning, Sadie, and I show it to these kids. And I mean, they are falling out of their chairs. <laughs> again, it doesn't prove that there's a God. It just proves that God has a sense of humor. Yep. And then I thought, oh my goodness, if I go from that X structure to the cross, who this is going to be powerful. Yep. And I tried it. Um, at church, uh, same deal, speaking for Andy. And I mean, it knocked people for a loop. Mm. And so we put it into a message, went again on tour around the country, shared it with people. And night after night after night, people just were speechless. And it's not because I came up with a good talk. I can't take credit for any of that. It's because God designed the world in such a way to posture us in a way to be in awe of him wow. and the the main reason we have spent a jillion dollars looking for other people in the universe huge money we've spent looking for extraterrestrial life mm. is because science is convinced that the universe is way too big just to have us live in it mm. huge waste of space if its whole purpose was just for me and you to have a place to live on this little planet called Earth. <laughs> and I love telling people, I would, I would agree. If the reason for the universe, <laughs> the cosmos, was to create a place for us to live, it's way too big. But if the reason for the cosmos was different, and it was to be a billboard for the greatness of God, it's just about the right size. Wow. Wow. Whoa. That is really, really, really good. I I have to say, I think this is probably my favorite podcast ever. Um, I've found myself a lot of times when you're talking, thinking I'm lost in this conversation. I have nothing to ask because I'm just taking it all in and just, man, so thankful that we serve a God who is a God of such intention and such detail and has a thread throughout the whole story of life and that cross it seems to be the common thread of everything and it's just incredible to reflect on and to hear you talk about the things you're excited about and the things that you've learned that make you excited that led you to this led you to that and I can't help but think of the first piece of advice you gave to tune your guitar and I don't know anyone who tunes their guitar better than you and I don't even know if you play guitar but you just genuinely um Man, just the research you've done and the things that you've studied, but more importantly than all of that, just your love for God and your desire to know Him more and make Him known is an honor to be a part of the same generation as you and Shelly, truly. We learn so much from y'all. I know so many people learn so much from y'all. And so thank you for tuning your t guitar, and thank you for everything you've shared on this podcast. And so I just want to say truly thank you. And if you're listening to this podcast, man, you've just got started on all the things from Louie that you need to go read, that you need to go listen to, that you need to go watch. But right now, if you are a parent, go get the wonder of creation because it's a great way to get your kids started in this uh, search for science and God. There's so many more. Like he said, this is his third one that he's written for children. 
Also, I know you have a new devotional at the table with Jesus, which has been an incredible message as well. And it's just so cool to see the years and years you've done this and just more and more wisdom continues to pour out of you. So I know that's a continuation of tuning that guitar and keep going out there. So thank you for that and just the best example for us to live and learn from. And we appreciate every piece of advice that you've given. Thank you. Love you and Christian. And man, we were pumped to get to meet Honey yes. uh, a few weeks ago. So now like life is good. And um, we love you guys. Okay. I've said this privately. I've said it in small group settings. Sadie, I've said it to you um, in front of people. But you are um, a shining light. And I was thinking about you and Christian's wedding the other day. Mm-hmm. And um, it's talking about how, you know, bright stars come along every night, but comets only come along Hmm. um, every so often. And you're a force. Hmm. And thank you for using your platform and leveraging your life um, in such a great way. You're a real, you are a hero to so many people. And when I meet people and they go, oh, I love Sadie Rob Huff. I look up to her so much. And I'm like, you keep looking up to her because she's looking up to Jesus. And that's the way this whole thing works. And you and Christian are making such a big impact on this generation. Shelly, and I could not love you more. Thank you. And um, I'm thrilled to be on with you again today. I love this conversation. And hopefully we'll get to do it again. You're going to get a lot more information from Levi. I guarantee you that. So <laughs> buckle up. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is a day of learning. Well, thank you, Louie, again. Thanks for making me cry at the end of the podcast, too. We love you so much and appreciate you. Love you.